Section 7 of Dedications. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kristen Hand. Dedications by Mary Elizabeth Brown. To Nobility, Part 1. La Morte d'Arthur by Sir Thomas Mallory, 1485. Caxton's Dedication included in his prologue then to proceed forth in this said book which i direct unto all noble princes lords and ladies gentlemen or gentlewomen that desire to read or hear read of the noble and joyous history of the great conqueror and excellent king king arthur sometime king of this noble royal then called bretagne i william caxton a simple person present this book following which I have emprised ten print and treateth of the noble acts, feats of armies, of chivalry, prowess, hardiness, humanity, love, courtesy, and very gentleness with many wonderful histories and adventures. Divina Comedia by Dante, dedication by Aldus, Venice, 1495. To the worthy Lady Victoria Colonna, most illustrious Marchioness of Pescara Andrea di Asola. Having newly reprinted, O most illustrious Lady, the divine poet Dante, inferior to none of other writers, ancient or modern, that have lived, if one regards with discerning eye the height and grandeur of his verse and the grade and amount of wisdom, the quantity and the quality of what is therein contained, under a name more noble than that of yours is, I do not think I could send it forth, and it is not only my ancient subservience that has directed me toward your most noble house, but even more, the enduring fame of the immortals and their divine beauties which from day to day keep increasing and advancing as they do with a handsome woman. For truly I believe that in no realm of reason, neither in this world of ours, nor in any other whatsoever, is there a lady more beautiful and more compassionate and however infinitely this may be true her spiritual beauties are nothing less than her physical ones sooner by a great deal indeed do the latter perish for these have nothing that are not according to nature but the others have united to themselves art no less than nature and even as precious gems do they adorn and beautify thy blonde head so all thy beauties and precious virtues make thee manifest like a celestial rainbow painted with a thousand colors splendid and most lustrous to view honesty demureness discretion modesty courtesy purity grace chastity magnificence and eloquence as great as could be desired in a noble lady all are in thee and plentifully are they given thee therefore because dowered with so many and so great divine gifts this my gift do i dedicate and consecrate to your honor for whose sweet thanks bowing i kiss thy hands Vittoria Colonna, the wife of the Marquis of Pescara, was illustrious as a poetess and as a woman, and was extolled as the most eminent of her sex for beauty, virtue, and talents by such great writers as Michelangelo and Ariosto. In Paolo Veronese's marriage at Cana, the lady with a toothpick is Vittoria Colonna. The Works of Alsace March, 1562 to the most illustrious Signor Don Jimenez de Urea, Count of Aranda, Viscount of Viota, etc., Jorge de Montemayor. In the translation of this book, 
no other reward would be desired than to serve therewith your highness this would be the greatest delight that can be imagined and inasmuch as in order to be fitting the style of the translation should be no less elevated than that of the original and as there is no other genius like that of alceus march who alone could translate it worthily so there is no other intelligence like that of your highness to supply what is wanting because the lack of words does not argue the less will nor could their excess mean any greater desire in the translator to render such services as the author could give may this first book be accepted from one who from to-day will devote himself to no other thing than serving your most illustrious highness whose life and health may our lord prolong for many years from the spanish the ephemerides of fialo by stephen gosson fifteen eighty six to the right noble gentleman master philip sidney esq it was a custom right worshipful among the heathens when they had travelled the seas and escaped the danger to sacrifice some part of their treasure to that god which they judged to be their deliverer and sith it hath been my fortune to bear sail in a storm since my first publishing the school of abuse and to be tossed by such as foam without reason and threaten me death without a cause feeling not yet my finger ache i can but acknowledge my safety in your worship's patronage and offer you fialo my chiefest jewel as a manifest pledge of my thankful heart quoted from wheatley's dedication of books pendosto the triumph of time by robert green fifteen eighty eight to the right honourable george clifford earl of cumberland robert green wisheth increase of honour and virtue the rations right honourable when by long gazing against the sun they became half blind recover their sights by looking on the black lodestone unicorns being glutted with browsing on roots of licorice sharpen their stomachs with crushing bitter grass alexander vouchsafed as well to smile at the crooked picture of vulcan as to wonder at the curious counterfeit of venus and so the stream of euphuistic classical illusion and unnatural natural history flows on until we learn that they which fear the biting of vipers do carry in their hands the plumes of a phoenix and i seek to shroud this imperfect pamphlet under your honour's patronage doubting the dint of such envenomed vipers as seek with their slanderous reproaches to carp at all as jupiter vouchsafed to lodge in philemon's thatched cottage and philip of macedon to take a bunch of grapes of a country peasant so i hope your honour will when you have cast a glance at this toy with minerva under your golden target cover a deformed owl your lordship's most dutiful to command robert green prosopopia or mother hubbard's tale by edmund spencer fifteen ninety one to the right honourable the lady compton and mounteagle most fair and virtuous lady having often sought opportunity by some good means to make known to your ladyship the humble affection and faithful duty which i have always professed and am bound to bear to that house from whence ye spring i have at length found occasion to remember the same by making a simple present to you of these my idle labours which having long sithens composed in the raw conceit of my youth i lately amongst other papers lighted upon and was by others which liked the same moved to set them forth 
Simple is the device and the composition mean, yet carrieth some delight, even the rather because of the simplicity and meanness thus personated. The same, I beseech your ladyship, take in good part, as a pledge of that profession which I have made to you, and keep with you until with some other more worthy labor, I do redeem it out of your hands, and discharge my utmost duty. Till then, wishing your ladyship all increase of honor and happiness, I humbly take leave. Your law, ever humbly, Edmund Spencer. The Ruins of Time by Edmund Spencer, 1591 Dedicated to the right noble and beautiful lady, the law, Marie, Countess of Pembroke, most honorable and bountiful lady, be there long sithens deep sowed in my breast, the seed of most entire love and humble affection unto that most brave knight, your noble brother deceased, which taking root began in his lifetime somewhat to bud forth, and to shew themselves to him as then in the weakness of their first spring, and would in their riper strength, had it pleased high God till then to draw out his days, spired forth fruit of more perfection. But since God hath disdained the world of that most noble spirit, which was the hope of all learned men, and the patron of my young muses, together with him both their hope of any further fruit was cut off, and also the tender delight of those first blossoms nipped and quite dead. Yet sithens my late coming into England, some friends of mine, knowing with how straight bands of duty I was tied to him, have sought to revive them by upbraiding me, for that I have not shewed any thankful remembrance towards him, whom chiefly to satisfy or else to avoid that foul blot of unthankfulness, I have conceived this small poem, intituled by a general name of the world's ruins, yet specially intended to the renowning of that noble race from which both you and he sprung. I pray for your honorable happiness, and so humbly kiss your hands, your ladyships ever, humbly at command, E.S. The Pilgrimage to Paradise by Nicholas Breton, 1592 To the Countess of Pembroke, right noble lady, whose rare virtues the wise no less honor than the learned admire and the honest serve, how shall I, the abject of fortune, unto the object of honor, presume to offer so simple a present as the poetical discourse of a poor pilgrim's travel? I know not how, but with falling at the feet of your favor to crave pardon for my imperfection, who hath read of the Duchess of Urbina, may say, the Italians wrote well, but who knows the Countess of Pembroke, I think hath cause to write better. And if she had many followers, have not you more servants? And if they were so mindful of their favors, shall we be forgetful of our duties? No, I am assured that some are not ignorant of your worth, which will not be idle in your service, that will make a title but a tittle, where a line shall put down a letter, and if she have received her right in remembrance, you must not have wrong in being forgotten. If she were the honor of wit, you are the comfort of discretion. If she were the favorer of learning, you are the maintainer of art. And if she had the beauty of nature, you beautify nature with the blessing of the spirit. And in sum, if she had any true perfection to be spoken of, you have many more truly to be written of, which among all, the least able to judge of, and of all, the very least worthy in your favor to write of, your poor, unworthy named poet, by the indiscretion of his youth, the malice of envy, and the disgrace of ingratitude, had utterly perished, had not the hand of your honor revived the heart of humility, will not so bury in the grave of oblivion, but that your deserved fame shall so sound in the ears of honorable hearts, 
that if I spake more than I may, the judgment of the wise and the tongues of the learned I know will no less clear me of flattery than wish a mind of more perfection to be employed in your service, etc., etc. Quoted from Wheatley's Dedication of Books. Lady Pembroke, in her protean role of scholar, creative artist, religious enthusiast, benevolent patroness, and mistress of an excellently ordered household, seems to have inspired and colored the literary efforts of those whom she grouped about her. Upham, French Influence in English Literature, page 41. Venus and Adonis by William Shakespeare, 1593. To the Right Honorable Henry Riothsley, Earl of Southampton and Baron of Titchfield, Right Honorable, I know not how I shall offend in dedicating my unpolished lines to your lordship, nor how the world will censure me for choosing so strong a prop to support so weak a burthen. Only if your honor seem but pleased, I account myself highly praised, and vow to take advantage of all idle hours till I have honored you with some grave labor. But if the first hire of my invention prove deformed, I shall be sorry it had so noble a godfather." and never after ere so barren a land, for fear it yield me still so bad a harvest. I leave it to your honorable survey, and your honor to your heart's content, which I wish may always answer your own wish, and the world's hopeful expectation. Your honors in all duty, William Shakespeare. The Rape of Lucrece by William Shakespeare, 1594. To the Right Honorable Henry Riothsley, Earl of Southampton, and Baron of Titchfield. The love I dedicate to your lordship is without end, whereof this pamphlet, without beginning, is but a superfluous moiety. The warrant I have of your honorable disposition, not the worth of my untutored lines, makes it assured of acceptance. What I have done is yours, what I have to do is yours, being in part all I have, devoted yours. Were my worth greater, my duty would shew greater. Meantime, as it is, it is bound to your lordship, to whom I wish long life, still lengthened with all happiness. Your Lordship's in all duty, William Shakespeare. Colin Clout's Come Home Again by Edmund Spencer, 1595. To the right worthy and noble knight, Sir Walter Raleigh, Captain of Her Majesty's Guard, Lord Warden of the Stanneries, and Lieutenant of the County of Cornwall. Sir, that you may see that I am not always idle as ye think, though not greatly well occupied, nor altogether undutiful, though not precisely officious, I make you present of this simple pastoral, unworthy of your higher conceit for the meanness of the style, but agreeing with the truth in circumstance and matter, the which I humbly beseech you to accept in part of payment of the infinite debt in which I acknowledge myself bounden unto you, for your singular favors and sundry good turns shewed to me at my late being in England, and with your good countenance protect against the malice of evil mouths, which are always wide open to carp at and misconstrue my simple meaning. I pray continually for your happiness. From my house of Kilcolman, the 27th of December, 1591, yours ever humbly, Edmund Spencer. Four Hymns Made by Edmund Spencer, 1596 to the right honorable and most virtuous ladies, the Lady Margaret, Countess of Cumberland, and the Lady Marie, Countess of Warwick, having in the greener times of my youth composed these two former hymns in the praise of love and beauty, and finding that the same too much pleased those of like age and disposition, which being too vehemently carried with that kind of affection, do rather suck out poison to their strong passion than honey to their honest delight, 
I was moved by the one of you two most excellent ladies to call in the same. But being unable to do so, by reason that many copies thereof were formerly scattered abroad, I resolved at least to amend, and by way of retraction, to reform them, making instead of those two hymns of earthly or natural love and beauty, two others of heavenly and celestial. The which I do dedicate jointly unto you, two honorable sisters, as to the most excellent and rare ornaments of all true love and beauty, both in the one and the other kind, humbly beseeching you to vouchsafe the patronage of them, and to accept this my humble service in lieu of the great graces and honorable favors which you daily shew unto me, until such time as I may by better means yield you some more notable testimony of my thankful mind and dutiful devotion. And even so I pray for your happiness. Greenwich, this 1st of September, 1596, your honors most bounden ever in all humble service, Edmund Spencer. Auspicante Yehoa, Marie's Exercise, by Nicholas Breton, 1597. Dedication to the Countess of Pembroke. Right honorable, my bounden service in all duty remembered, I have often read and heard, which I verily believe, that in the nature of man there is no greater blot of disgrace than the vile note of ingratitude with which wicked humor fearing my long forgetfulness of your favor may make my heart in some suspicion unhappily to be touched i have presumed humbly to present unto the fair eye of your discreet virtue a little fruit of my late and best labors wherein your ladyship may vouchsafe to see that although i cannot as i would find means to discharge the care of my duty yet in my best thoughts i have not forgotten you when in my daily prayers unto God I do remember you, etc., etc. Quoted from Wheatley's Dedication of Books. Translation of Pliny's Natural History by Philemon Holland, 1601. To Sir Robert Cecil, the rare wisdom, justice, and eloquence which occur in your person, like the several beauties of the ruby, the amethyst, and emerald, meeting in one fair opal, giveth a lovely luster to your other titles no less than if the nine muses and Apollo represented naturally that rich agate of K. Firis were inserted therein. The Meditations and Vows of Joseph Hall, 1606. The first century is dedicated to the right worshipful Sir Robert Drury, knight, my singular good patron, all increase of true honor and virtue. Sir, that I have made these my homely aphorisms public needs no other reason, but that though the world is furnished with other writings, even to satiety and surfeit, yet of those which reduce Christianity to practice, there is at least scarcity enough, wherein yet I must needs confess I had some eye to myself, for having after a sort vowed this austere course of judgment and practice to myself, I thought it best to acquaint the world with it, that it may either witness my answerable proceeding or check me in my straying therefrom. By which means so many men as I live amongst, and so many monitors I shall have, which shall point me to my own rules, and upbraid me with my aberrations. Why I have dedicated them to your name cannot be strange to any that knows you, my patron, and me, your pastor. The regard of which bond easily drew me on to consider, that whereas my body, which was ever weak, began of late to languish more, it would not be inexpedient at the worst to leave behind me this little monument of that great respect which i deservedly bear you and if it shall please god to reprieve me until a longer day yet it shall not repent me to have sent this unworthy scroll to wait upon you in your necessary absence neither shall it be i hope bootless for you 
to add on these my mean speculations unto those grounds of virtue you have so happily laid to which if they shall add but one scruple it shall be to me sufficient joy contentment recompense from your halstead december fourth your worship's humbly devoted eos hall from lady drury of halstead in suffolk hall received a living and he composed his first book of meditations in the early part of his residence there homer's iliad by george chapman edition of sixteen o six to anne queen of england etc sacred fountain of princes sole empress of beauty and virtue to the right gracious and worthy the duke of lennox to the most grave and honored temperer of law and equity the lord chancellor etc to the most worthy earl lord treasurer and treasurer of our country the earl of salisbury etc to the most honored restorer of ancient nobility both in blood and virtue the earl of suffolk etc to the most noble and learned earl the earl of northampton etc to the most noble my singular good lord the earl of arundel to the learned and most noble patron of learning the earl of pembroke etc to the right gracious illustrator of virtue and worthy of the favor royal the earl of montgomery to the most learned and noble conductor of the wars art and the muses the lord lyle etc to the great and virtuous the countess of montgomery to the happy star discovered in our sydneyan astercene comfort of learning sphere of all the virtues the lady roth to the right noble patroness and grace of virtue the countess of bedford to the right valorous and virtuous lord the earl of southampton etc to my exceeding good lord the earl of sussex with duty always remembered to his honored countess to the right noble and heroical my singular good lord the lord of walden etc to the most truly noble and virtue gracing knight sir thomas howard ever most humbly and faithfully devoted to you and all the rare patrons of divine homer george chapman from Notes and Queries, February 28, 1874. Shakespeare's Sonnets, 1609. Dedication prefixed by Thomas Thorpe, bookseller of London. To the only begetter of these ensuing sonnets, Mr. W.H., all happiness, and that eternity promised by our ever-living poet, wisheth the well-wishing adventurer in setting forth, T.T. No attempt to explain this enigmatical dedication has yet satisfied the majority of Shakespearean critics. Perhaps William Herbert, Earl of Pembroke, is the most plausible candidate for W.H. The English Husbandman by Gervais Markham, 1613. To the Right Honorable and His Singular Good Lord, the Lord Clifton, Baron of Leighton. It was a custom, Right Honorable, and my most singular good lord both amongst the ancient Romans and also amongst the wise Lacedaemonians, that every idle person should give an account of the experience of his hours. Now that I am most idle and least employed in your family, present here unto your lordship's hands an account of the expense of my idle time, which how well or ill it is, your noble wisdom must both judge and correct. Quoted from Wheatley's Dedication of Books. Markham was very far from idle. He had been called the earliest English hack writer, and his works include, besides plays and poems, treatises on ferrery, sport, and agriculture. La Dorotea by Fray Lope Feliz de Vega Carpio, 1632. 
to his most illustrious excellency don caspar afonso perez de guzman count of niebla i wrote la dorotea in my younger years having laid aside my studies to take up arms under the flags of his most excellent grace the duke of medina sidonia a grandfather of your excellency and during my absence the manuscript was lost as often happens having recovered it again i decided to modify some of its youthful enthusiasm and observe greater modesty in the revision ever mindful of my love for and my indebtedness to the illustrious house of guzman whose fault it was the manuscript was lost i now submit it to you if its appearance pleases you then let it represent the royal ermine of your glorious arms if on the other hand it looks old and ugly to you then let it represent the angry serpent opposing the illustrious dagger on the crowned blazon of your glorious crest you bear the name of good by nature and because you are one of the long succession of noble princes i will say no more in flattery of your greatness since the title of good was bestowed on you by god himself may he preserve your excellency for many years madrid 1632 from the spanish geography delineated forth in two books by nathaniel carpenter second edition oxford sixteen thirty five to the right honourable william earl of pembroke lord chamberlain to the king's most excellent majesty knight of the most noble order of the garter and chancellor of the university of oxford right honourable this poor infant of mine which i now offer to your honourable acceptance was consecrated yours in the first conception if the hasty desire i had to present it makes it as an abortive brat seem unworthy my first wishes your favourable patronage impute it i beseech you not to self-will but duty which would rather show yourself to efficience than negligent what i now dedicate rather to your honour than mine own ambition i desire no farther to be accompted mine than your generous approbation wishing it no other fate than either to die with your dislike or live with your name and memory the general acclamation of the learned of this age acknowledging with all thankful duty as well as your love to learning as zeal to religion hath long since stamped me yours this arrogant desire of mine counted more on your heroic virtues than my private ends promised me more in your honourable estimation than some others in your acquaintance the expression of myself in these faculties beside my profession indebted more to love than ability sets my ambition a pitch higher than my nature but such is the magnificent splendour of your countenance which may easily lend your poor servant so much light as to lead him out of darkness and as the sun reflecting the baser earth at once both view and gild his imperfections my language and formality i owe not to the court but university whereof i cannot but expect your honour to be an impartial umpire being a most vigorous member of the one and the head of the other corporation if these fruits of my labours purchase so much as your honour's least approbation i shall hold my wishes even accomplished in their ends and desire only to be thought so worthy in your honourable esteem as to live and die your honours in all duty and service to be commanded nathaniel carpenter nathaniel carpenter who died about sixteen twenty eight was at one time devonshire fellow of exeter college oxford and his dedication to the chancellor was therefore appropriate the first edition of his geography appeared in sixteen twenty five the book is described as containing many eloquent passages especially a digression in praise of the illustrious natives of our mountainous provinces of devon and cornwall embodied in it are some pages of poetry in which his mother oxford recounts the advantages which she had derived from association with her and reproaches him for his partiality to his native country 
Dict Nat Biog. Comus by John Milton. Dedication of the anonymous edition published by Laws in 1637. To the Right Honorable John, Lord Viscount Brackley, son and heir apparent to the Earl of Bridgewater, etc. My Lord, this poem, which received its first occasion of birth from yourself and others of your noble family, and much honor from your own person in the performance, now returns again to make a final dedication of itself to you. Although not openly acknowledged by the author, yet it is a legitimate offspring, so lovely and so much desired that the often copying of it hath tired my pen to give my several friends satisfaction, and brought me to a necessity of producing it to the public view, and now to offer it up in all rightful devotion to those fair hopes and rare endowments of your much-promising youth, which give a full assurance to all that know you of a future excellence. Live, sweet Lord, to be the honor of your name, and receive this as your own from the hands of him who hath by many favors been long obliged to your most honored parents. And as in this representation your attendant, Thersius, so now in all real expression. Your faithful and most humble servant, H. Laws. Henry Laws was the young musician who sets to music the songs of Carew, Lovelace, Herrick, and other poets of the 17th century. It was at his request that Milton composed the Mask of Comus to celebrate the inauguration of the Earl of Bridgewater into his duties as Lord President of Wales. The Earl's daughter and her two young brothers, who were under the instruction of Laws, took the leading parts in the performance of the Mask at Ludlow Castle in 1635, and Laws himself played the role of the attendant spirit. End of section 7